Hello, and welcome to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. While there, you can join in the conversation about this show. Just search for Built Different Podcast in your internet browser. Here now is your host, Zach Clinton, on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this edition of the Built Different Podcast. I'll be your host, Zach Clinton. Guys, something that I'm so excited about that I have to share with you guys is as I'm sitting here recording this um, open and close for just such a powerful episode we have lined up today with an amazing guest coming on to be interviewed on the show. Um, I'm just two days away from my big wedding day coming up this Sunday, which is September 5th. And guys, I get the opportunity to marry the love of my life, the woman of my dreams. Her name is Evelyn Jane Sherman right now, about to be Clinton here soon. And I just couldn't be happier. Um, But as I go into and I prepare myself for marriage, this overarching question that I've always been so intrigued by in this concept of just what is love? And so naturally, I turned in my Bible to 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love, right, which really defines what love is, but also what love is not. And I love how it says love is patient, love is kind, love endures, love perseveres. But also it tells us love does not envy, love does not boast. Love is just something that conquers all things, right? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What I love so much just about this whole entire idea is how sacrificial love is. Love is an action. Love is a choice. And the more I study what love is, the more powerful and the more beautiful it is to see the love that Christ has for each and every one of us. To the point where he gave so much of himself that he didn't just do it half-heartedly, But he did it because he genuinely had our best interest in mind. He cared for us so much. He loved us so much that he endured the cross, that he endured death, and he overcame it. But he took everything, our sin, our pain, our burdens, and he carried that with him. It is because of us and our sin that personally held him there on that cross. He didn't have to do it, but he wanted to do it because he so loved us. That's really the idea of today's episode. Today we're going to hear a powerful testimony, one that I can honestly really relate to. You know, I have felt rejection in my own personal life and some personal experiences in my own life to the point where I understand what it feels like to just be hurt. Um, to be just brokenhearted, to be down in the dumps to the point where it feels like my love was inadequate. Maybe I was even inadequate. But today we're going to hear a story that really was started from pain and rejection at such a young age, but then how God was able to develop and intervene and grow this person through the midst of their pain. Now she is one of, honestly, America's most renowned speakers. I'm telling you guys, she is such a blessing. She's a best-selling author. She's also the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. Our guest joining us today 
is Miss Lisa Turkhurst. You guys, she has such a powerful story and testimony of redemption. And what I love about her story is that she never brags about her faithfulness, even in the midst of her toughest moments, how she remained faithful and clung to God. But all she does is she uses her story to brag about the goodness and the faithfulness. And she proclaims it, even in the toughest moments, that God was there, that God was in her midst, that God sacrificed and gave it all. One thing that I love to share with people that in the midst of my brokenness, What I always say is in the absence of clarity, God gave me and he extended this invitation to intimacy with him. My prayer is that whether you're hurting or whether you're good, man, life seems great that you would just continue to press in close to the heart of God and just see what he can do because he is a transformational God. He's a missional God and man, he is a redeeming God too. Thank the Lord for that. Guys, this powerful episode with Miss Lisa Turkhurst, We'll be coming up right after this short break. It's no secret there's a beatdown on men, anything that's masculine. From the radical push to feminize men, to changing the core of what it means to be a man. But God made man for a purpose and a reason. When King David was on his deathbed, passing the baton of leadership to his son Solomon, There's a lot he could have said to him, but he told his son these words, be strong and show yourself a man. You know why? Because he knew what was ahead of him. And it's because men matter and they matter more than you know. It's time, really it's time to rise up. Some good news is that something is stirring. Something's happening all over the country and around the world. Men everywhere from every walk of life are stepping up and they're crying out, God, I want my life to count. I want to make a difference. I want to be all that you created me to be. You may feel as if everything is lost and that this is your darkest hour, but God loves to meet you in your brokenness. He loves to use those moments to remind you of his presence and his power, to send you running back to him for hope and strength. Hear me. God is there for you. And there is a remnant. There's an army. There's an uprising that's happening. Now is the time to show yourself a man and take it back. Order your copy of Take It Back by Dr. Tim Clinton and Max Davis at timclinton.com. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Here's your host, Zach Clinton. Miss Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. It's such an honor. You know, I've known your mom and your dad for a long time, and um, I've known you since you were little, but now you're no longer little. So this is really fun. (laughs) It's amazing. I was just talking to my dad just the other day, getting the opportunity to interview you, because like you said, I remember learning under you and just seeing you for such a long time at all the extraordinary women conferences with my mom. And it was just such a pleasure um, just to hear your heart for so many years and now getting the opportunity to sit with you face to face and really hear a lot more. You know, what we want to do, Miss Lisa, today on the Build Different Podcast is to really dive into the backwater, to dive into the story, the testimony that's made you into the amazing woman that you are today. You know, you're no stranger to adversity. And what I want to do up front here is a lot of your story is built around this concept and theme of rejection. And I would just love for you to kind of really help our listeners to start out today 
to hear about what is the one thing that you feel like God has placed on your heart. If the person's only listening to the first five to ten minutes of this episode, what is it that you want them to hear about their identity in Christ? Such a good question, Zach. And, you know, first of all, I I do want to acknowledge that um, to do life here on this earth in our sin-soaked realities um, is to do life where pain and suffering are part of it. And, you know, my story in some way seems to dabble in um, more severe or more extreme examples of that. But I always want to say pain in the context of anyone's life is still pain. And so I think the principles apply, whether you've been through, um, a really hard season or you're in a good season, I I still think we will have moments of suffering and, um, rejection is certainly part of the human dynamic and part of the human experience. Mm. Um, I want to say to encourage anyone who is experiencing rejection, hardship, or even moments of, of extreme pain or rejection, that um, rejection is sometimes a protection mm. in disguise. Mm. And though it can be extremely hurtful when mm someone else acts in ways that are unexpected to you Mm. or, you know, makes you tilt your head and wonder like, why in the world would that person ever do that? Mm. I think it's like draining a lake and we're forced to see the issues that are really there. Mm. And as long as we can see the issues, if we'll be brave enough to acknowledge the issues, then that rejection or that, that emotional, pain can actually serve to lead us toward healing. And Mm. maybe that healing is what we need in the process. My counselor, Jim, Mm. who's also part of AACC, Jim Press, he has often said to me, what we don't work out, we act out. And so when someone rejects us, it's it's not so much just us being more self-aware of maybe some things we need to tend to, but also being aware of the types of relationships we're attracted to. Mm. Water seeks its own level. And so if if we are pursuing healing, but we've got relationships mm. that are down here, maybe we're pursuing healing at like a level 10, but our relationships are still on the emotional maturity level of about a three, there's yeah. gonna be a tension there. Right. Because when you set a glass of water on the counter, it's got to be equal on both sides. Mm. And so recently I had such a good session with Jim. So you're just kind of hearing some of the overflow of that. Right. (laughs) But the last thing I'll say is, you know, when thinking about that water seeking its own level, healing um, and health cannot bond with unhealth. So that's the tension we may be experiencing Mm. when we're moving forward in pursuing healthy habits and more self-awareness and um and moving forward with great empathy for ourselves and others and if we're in a relationship where those three things are not present mm. then that is going to become painfully apparent amen what a powerful start to the episode i mean seriously just throwing out nuggets of wisdom and so many things that we can latch on to miss lisa you know i really want to dive back like i said you've been no stranger to adversity from a very young age. 
Um, I mean, you were kind of thrown into the fire, it feels like. You're faced with a ton of a painful childhood when it comes to sexual abuse, when it comes to um, a disengaged father who walked out on you, when it comes to losing your youngest sister, Haley. I mean, so many different things came your way. Probably a lot of abandonment, a lot of feelings of unacceptance, a lot of anger to the point of maybe even getting lost. Miss Lisa, what were some of those years like for you? And what role did God play during those years in your life? I think those are very, very confusing years for me because when a lot of that was going on, I my view of God was more um, like a transactional hmm. relationship. I felt like if I obeyed the rules, then God would surely bless me yeah. with um, better circumstances in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. Right. And I didn't definitely didn't understand what it meant to sometimes when we have faith, that means trusting God, even when we don't see mm-hmm. one plus one equal two. Right? right. And so those were very confusing years for me. And, um, and I think the greatest amount of anger that I was experiencing wasn't at the people who were hurting me, but it was anger that God would let some of these things happen in the first place. Mm. And, you know, now that I am in a relationship with the Lord and have been for several decades, um, I, I've come to un- better understand that the reason that it's called faith is because we have to trust him even when things don't make sense, maybe especially when things don't make sense. You know, there, there are no words more comforting to me in the entire Bible than the words that Jesus spoke in the garden of Gethsemane Mm. in Mark chapter 14, Mm. starting in verse 32, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed Mm. with sorrow to the point of death. And then he asked God to change the plan. Right. He says, he says, God, anything, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from mm-hmm. me. And so that has clued me into the fact that I may mm-hmm. never have the answers to why things happened. Right. But honestly, Jesus being perfect divinity and uh, sinless humanity, um, he knew he knew what it meant to suffer mm. and he had all the answers. So if having the answers to why this happened would have fixed the sorrow, Jesus had the answers and he still had overwhelming sorrow. Mm. So it's not, it's not having the answers of why things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to point out from that verse is it's also not being absolutely certain that God will eventually work things out for good. Jesus knew that God would work things out for good, and yeah. he still asked God to change the plan, That's right. right? That's right. And so if knowing why things happened or having the confidence that things are eventually going to be okay, if that would fix our sorrow, then um, then we would have seen that in that example with Jesus, and we didn't. Mm. His soul was still overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm. But what Jesus did do is he uttered these nine earth-shaking, hell-shattering, demon-quaking words as as kind of a wrap-up to the admission of, of like, my soul is overwhelmed, and God, I I know everything's possible, so Mm. take this cup from me. Jesus said, yet, not what I will, but what you will. And I think Mm. for me, what I've learned in the midst of, of 
walking from the pain of my past mm. into using the pain for a higher purpose yeah. and, and to be able to see good come from it is me recognizing the reality that I can make suggestions to God all day long, mm -hmm. but God really does see things I don't see and know things I don't know. That's right. So my prayer, my daily prayer has shifted from being so obsessed with suggesting how God can fix all of this mm. and right the wrongs to saying, God, I'm trading my will for thy will because I'm so confident you will. Mm. You will. And and I don't have to feel it right. um, for it to be real. Right. And I, I don't have to see it for it to be comforting to me. And um, and that's really helped me a lot. You know, Zach, one of the places, I'm just going to get real practical real yeah, quick. Please. One of the places that I tend to get super frustrated is when somebody else does something to me that's so hurtful mm. and I'm suffering and they appear as if they're just yippy skippy in yep. life. And yep. that can start to feel extremely unfair and really mm. hold me back from mm. wanting to forgive that person. Mm. Um, and, and, and sometimes even hold me back from wanting to believe that God's even paying attention to it. I don't yeah. know if you relate to that. I about, do, but, most definitely. Whoa. And so here's here's something that, you know, being alive 52 years and walking mm. through a lot of the stuff you mentioned um, has taught me. Yeah. That sin comes as a package deal mm. with suffering. When someone causes, when someone sins against me, mm. There are natural consequences that are built into that sin that are unleashed in their life, whether I ever see it or not. Mm. And some of the most hurting people I've ever seen are laughing on the outside while they're crying on the inside and mm. maybe even dying on the inside. Mm. So I think that's why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Mm. Because even though it may look like they're getting away with it, mm. that's not the way sin works. Mm. Sin has consequences built into it, and we know it when we sin. Yeah. Like when you sin, Zach, I would imagine you feel the sting yep. and the piercing and the consequences of that sin, even if no one else That's right. can see it. That's the conviction. And that, that, is, that is true in other people's life, even if they don't feel convicted. That's right. Like they may yeah. not can feel convicted that what they're doing is wrong. Mm. They just, but they, they will suffer. Yeah. So when someone sins against us, even if it mm. looks like a party on the outside, it is a prison on mm. the inside because that's the way sin works. Mm. And, um, you know, the consequences of sin is death. And that doesn't just mm. mean our physical death. That can be, you know, our emotional death or even our emotional decay on the inside yeah. when we are participating in active sin. And so I think what's helped me is not only to recognize that that may look like a party on the outside, but it's a prison on the inside. So mm. therefore I need to pray for my enemies. But the other thing is when I pray for my enemies, I'm asking God to position them for blessing. Mm. And the only way that God can position them for blessing is to posi position them for obedience mm. because blessing requires obedience. So I am praying for them to 
be blessed and that requires them to be messed with by God a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so um, both of those things have helped mm. me a lot. Mm, so powerful. I mean, I just wrote that down. Sin, sin comes as a package deal with suffering and then praying for the blessing for those that have wronged you, but to come with obedience first and foremost. You know, I've said it plenty of times on here, when I feel like I didn't have the answers, when I felt angry with God, when I was questioning him and I wanted something from him, like give me an answer. I feel like God really breathed into my life in the absence of clarity, there's an invitation to intimacy with me. And like you're oh, saying- that's so good. Zach, you need to say that again. Somebody's gonna write that down. That's yes, good. in the absence of clarity, there's an invitation to intimacy with the Lord because I think that's what we really want. We want answers from God, but like you said, God's the ultimate answer. And being in the counseling and mental health field, the antidote to trauma, the antidote to anxiety, to depression, to suicidality, to whatever it is, it's relationship. And mm-hmm. so many people get that wrong because we view this as a religion. We're going through the motions. It's a rule book. But, man, it's about pressing into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's something that you were able to find out. And, Miss Lisa, it's propelled you into becoming a best-selling author, a world-renowned speaker, and what I like to view as a hope dealer for the gospel of Jesus. But a book that you wrote that really resonated with me personally, and I think it resonates with a lot of our listeners It's a book titled, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered. Miss Lisa, to the person out there, you know, I hear it all the time in the counseling office. Zach, life's just not supposed to be this way. Anger, resentment, just so much turmoil in their life going on. Miss Lisa, what is the word of encouragement and of motivation to that person who's saying those things today? Well, first of all, I, I always am careful to acknowledge that person's pain yeah. and to say back to them, I believe you. Mm. I believe what happened to you was wrong. It was hurtful. And if no one else in this world has ever dared to bear witness to your pain and say that they're sorry for what happened, I'll do that for mm. you today. And I'll say, I'm so sorry that they said what they said or did what they did or hurt you in ways they should have never hurt you. Mm. And at the same time, I'll say you deserve to stop suffering because Mm. of what other people have done to you. And the only way to sever the source of suffering Mm. is to detach your ability to heal from another person's choices. Mm -hmm. If we're waiting for that other person to change so that we can heal and move on, Mm. then we are attaching our healing to the person who hurt us. Mm. And they may never change. They may never be willing or able to change. And that person, for some of us, may not even be alive any longer. And so we've got to make choices for our healing. And Mm. that's going to require us to say, my healing is my choice. Mm. It's not attached to someone else's choices. My healing is my choice. And so I'm going to start stepping toward that healing today. Mm. And one of the first great steps of stepping toward that healing is to proclaim you are going to sever the source of suffering And that doesn't mean sever the relationship. It means sever the source of whatever caused this hurt in the first place. Mm. Now, 
in some situations, the relationship may be severed. And it may be impossible for you to even have that epic conversation we all want, where the other person acknowledges that they did wrong and Mm. they say they're sorry. You know, that's the way I was taught forgiveness worked. But I never let my little girl view of forgiveness grow up. Mm. And I kept waiting and I kept thinking forgiveness is only possible when the other person says they're sorry, acknowledges what they're wrong and agrees to never do it again. Mm. But again, I have to detach my ability to heal from the other person's choices. Right. So it is possible for me to pursue healing and and to let the Lord help me get rid of that bitterness and rage and anger. And it's mm. my choice. It's my choice, not their choice. That's right. And um, and I think Christian counseling is is a really crucial part of that. Mm. I think it's so powerful you mentioned that because, like you said, forgiveness. It's a one-way street. I can forgive somebody. Reconciliation, that takes two. But forgiveness it only does. takes one. Yes. And I think that's a huge, maybe even misunderstanding that yeah. we have in the Christian community. You know, I when I wrote the next book after It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, yes. it's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Yes. I wanted to dispel some of the misunderstandings that we have in the Christian world mm. around forgiveness. And one of them is exactly what you just said, that mm. forgiveness and reconciliation are always one and the same. That is not true. Mm-mm. There can be forgiveness for the facts of what happened, mm. but restoration in the relationship and reconciliation is going to be a process that that is going to be possibly even something where if if the person refuses to change the behavior that got you into the place you're in Mm. then you may not be able to restore that relationship and Mm. there's certainly room in god's word for acknowledging reality and moving on. Mm. Um, I love the definition of mental health. It's a commitment to reality at all costs. I'm mm. sure you you know this, and I'm sure you've said it many times, Zach, oh, yeah. but I'm going to say it again. Powerful. That mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. Mm. Again, my counselor, Jim Kress, I always want to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. He, has, he has drilled that into my head, and I think part of the reason is because sometimes we want to deny the pain yeah. in an effort to keep the peace. But right. denying the pain will never get us to play to a place where we can heal the pain and mm. and deal with the circumstances causing the pain. And so yeah. I think as we think about forgiveness, forgiveness is not denying that what the other person did was wrong. Yeah. It's fully acknowledging that, but refusing to let that hurt that they caused turn us into someone we don't want to be. Mm. Forgiving What You Can't Forget, one of my favorite books. Thank you so much for writing it. Like you said, it's so powerful and being able to look at all the different things and understanding, too, that forgiveness as well as a process because it's a process because it's a daily choice. You know what I mean? Some days I may feel like forgiving. Other days I may want to hold on to it. But like you said, it's a daily choice. So important for our listeners to understand. Miss Lisa, I know we're coming to a close here, but you know, such a powerful episode of what you've shared with your life story, your testimony, and different things that you've been able to battle through. And I'm not naive to understand that there's somebody out there listening today, Miss Lisa, who's 
going through a really tough time. I mean, they've gone through a lot of painful experiences. They're really white knuckling it. They're holding on to it with everything they got. You know, they're angry, they're bitter, they're mad. Maybe they're exhausted and they're upset and maybe disappointed in God and their relationship with him. I mean, come on, God, asking the questions, why me? Why are you allowing this to happen? You're supposed to be a good father, right? I've heard the question. I've asked the question. But Miss Lisa, what would you say to that person today? just in closing, about how they can press into the heart of God to really understand his love and his adoration for his people. What can Jesus do for that person? Such a good question, Zach. And boy, do I relate to this, you know, the wrestling and the angst. And again, referring back to Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 32, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, if Jesus wrestled in this way, yeah. you know, then why would we think that we wouldn't have to? And here's where I think we get into trouble referring to those same verses. Yep. When Jesus says, God, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. I think part of our spiritual angst is that we do know God is capable mm -hmm. of everything. But when he is not doing the thing yeah. that we have begged him to do, yeah. and we see him doing it for other people, mm -hmm. it can start to feel very unfair, mm. very confusing. And honestly, like not only is the person hurting me, causing me devastation, but maybe God's causing this devastation. Right. And so I understand that angst so well. Mm. So Zach, here's where I have to challenge myself. Yeah. Um, I have started praying every day. In addition to what I said earlier, God, I trade my will for thy will because I'm so confident you will. Right. I've started acknowledging mm. three things. God, you are good. Mm. God, you are good to me and God, you are good at being God. Now I may mm. not always feel that way and it may not seem like God is being good to me in that moment, but here's what's so important. I have to look at my circumstances through the reality of those three truths that mm. do not change. God is good. Just the fact that you and I are breathing and alive right this very moment is evidence of God's goodness and God's goodness to, to us. So right. I started praying every day, God, you are good. You are good to me and you are good at being God. And that's the lens through which I must process my circumstances. Right. Otherwise, I'm tempted to look at my circumstances and try to figure out, God, are you good? Hmm. God, are you being good to me? Hmm. And then I forget God is good at being God. That's right. And so when I make the starting point, the reality of who God is and look at my circumstances through that lens, then I can get to the place where instead of making suggestions of how things should go and trying to hold God accountable to my assumptions mm. of what a good plan is, I start to look for God's goodness in the midst of my circumstances yeah. and constantly remind myself God is good. God is good to me. God is good at being God. This may not feel good. This may not seem good. This may not seem like it's pointing in a direction that will even eventually be good. But that's where faith and trust comes in. Mm. And that's where it's a daily process for me, Zach. Mm. Instead of waiting for the good, aha, yeah. like the good, great ending, right? Right. I've trained my mind to say that prayer every single morning, reminding myself that God is good and God is good to me and God is good at being God. And then I get up from my prayer and I look for evidence of God's goodness in that day, in those moments. Mm. And that helps remind me 
when I find these little evidences of God's goodness, yeah. that, that there is good coming, even if I can't fathom what it possibly will be. Mm, and the more we look for God's goodness in the everyday moments, the mm. more we will see his goodness unfold mm. in our lives. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed is the pure in heart person. You know, blessed is the, that, that person who's pure in heart for they mm. will see God. That's right. And I just found it's kind of like if you were buying a red Honda today, you yeah. think you're the only human on the planet that has been smart enough to think about buying a red Honda. <laughs> so you go buy the red Honda and then you pull into the parking lot of church and you yeah. see 14 red Hondas <laughs> and you're like, what in the world? Hmm. Like, did everyone get a memo from God to go buy a red Honda today? <laughs> no, those red Hondas have been around us. Mm. It's just that because we weren't thinking about them, we didn't see them. Mm. And the, and God's goodness is the same way. The more we, we have that as a top of mind thought, the more we look for it, the more we'll see it, notice it, and live out the reality of it. God is good. God is good to me. And God is good at being God. And I don't say that flippantly, you know, Lord knows mm. I have suffered and I know there are other people suffering. So this isn't just some Christian cliche to throw so, out and try to put a little bandaid on, you know, just a terrible wound that mm. you may be suffering from. I say this because with a catch in my throat and tears in my eyes, this is where I'm living mm. in the present pain I'm in. And it's helping me, and I pray it helps you too. Amen, Miss Lisa. God is good. God is good to me, and God is good at being God. And what I love about God is that he doesn't just allow these painful experiences to happen to us. He's in the midst of them. It's experiencing it all with us. And like you said, keep looking Keep your eyes out for his goodness. Miss Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. We will be praying for you with the influence and the platform that God has continued to bless you with. You are such a blessing, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Zach. As always, it's an honor to be with you. Yes, ma'am. Man, everybody, what a powerful episode with Miss Lisa Turkhurst. I'm telling you guys, she is just so amazing to me, and it's just so amazing to hear her really not just say, but to proclaim and to believe and to staple it on her heart and in her mind that God is good, that God is faithful, that God redeems, that God restores, that God is there, that God is present, that he presses in, that he is consistent, and that he is constant, and that his love, regardless of people, his love will never, never fail. It is just so encouraging and refreshing to my soul and to my spirit to hear this story that was of brokenness and hurt and pain and still a lot going on that Miss Lisa could continue to press on to God and know that God is there and that he is good. I challenge you guys, no matter where you're at in life, keep on pressing on and keep on pressing in close. He's there, I promise. He's right there in your midst. Press in close to him today. Guys, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on the Built Different Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. As we close today, we want to remind you about the upcoming Waymaker World Conference. This world premier Christian counseling event will be held in Orlando, Florida, September 15th through September 18th. 
Over the last 14 years, the World Conference has sold out with nearly 7,000 counselors, coaches, pastors, chaplains, and more, representing all 50 states and over 40 countries. To find out more, go to worldconference.net. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Hi there, this is Jessica from the Built Different Podcast team. As a reminder, you can listen to this show on your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Whatever platform you choose, please remember to subscribe to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Also, if you happen to catch the show on Apple Podcast, please leave us a review. Thanks again for tuning in to the Built Different Podcast.